Welcome to the Connection Point Church Podcast. We hope to be an encouragement throughout your week. New episodes are available every Sunday evening and Thursday evening. We also invite you to join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Amen, amen. Put your hands together. Thank the Lord. Amen. It is good to be in church. Amen. I'm going to direct your attention to the word of the Lord. Thank you for being here. Thank you, our band, our singers, our Sunday school teachers, everyone that gives and serves. Amen. I feel a special presence of the Lord here today. I want to minister to you today, and I want to draw your attention to a couple portions of Scripture here in the book of Mark. In the book of Mark. I want to take your attention to Mark chapter 4. And then also Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 4 and Mark chapter 6. And I'm going to do something I don't often do. I'm going to time myself today. And I'm going to just, I'm going to make sure I'm on on track here. But I do, (laughs) don't get too excited, all right? Amen. Mark chapter 4. I want to take your attention to a couple of things here. I believe the Lord has just kind of put in my heart here to, to teach, to preach to you today. And I want to draw something, I want to draw your attention to something in the scripture that you might otherwise have missed. But I believe God has something he wants to share with us and show us. Mark chapter 4 verse 35, the Bible says, In the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let's cross over to the other side. That could mean anything. You cross over to the other side, cross over to the next step, the next place, the next destination, purpose, season of life, but you're crossing over. Now, when they had left that multitude, they took him along in the boat. How many know it's always a good thing to get Jesus in the boat with you? Wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, uh, you just need to check every once in a while. Lord, are you in here? Are you in this with me? God, are you in this church plant? Are you, are you in this situation? Are you in this decision? And they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. How many know sometimes even though the Lord is with you, and God's in your boat and on your side, sometimes the storms of life can still rear their ugly heads. How many know that's right? Life doesn't, you know, living for the Lord doesn't protect you from the trials and the tribulations and challenges. Oftentimes, that's what brings those things. And so, but nevertheless, he was in the stern. He was in the boat, and he was asleep on a pillow. Can you imagine the Lord being on the boat, the storm's getting ready to topple your boat, you think you're getting ready to die, and the Lord is just sleeping during the whole thing. And so what did they do? They awoke him. They called on his name. They They arouse his attention to the situation. And he said to them, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? They were praying, Lord, help us. And he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. How many are thankful for a God that can speak peace to the turbulent, uncertain, chaotic situations of life? And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. The Bible talks about a peace that passes even our understanding. When we go to the Lord in prayer, when we call upon His name, you could have chaos all around you. But when God is in your boat and you call His name, there can be a peace in the midst of the storm. Amen. And so this is one portion of Scripture of one storm that we find here in the book of Mark. But it's not the only storm, because if you fast forward just two chapters later, 
there's a story of yet another storm. And I want to draw your attention to this in Mark chapter 6 now, beginning in verse 45. The Bible says, Immediately he made his disciples to get into the boat and to go before him, again, to the other side. They're going somewhere. I want to tell you, when you live for God, he's taking you somewhere. He's not just stale and stagnant. He's moving. He's moving forward. He's got more to do, more to see, more to accomplish. And he was going to the other side with the disciples to Bethsaida while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And now when evening had come, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. And then he saw them straining at the rowing, for the wind was against them. Here we have another storm. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And get this, get this, don't miss this. My word, don't miss this. He would have passed them by. I want to tell you what I feel I am learning in this season of life as I have storms just popping up all around me, seems like. I want to tell you that that's in those storms, that it would be possible that I would allow the storm to consume me, but allow the Lord to pass me by. But here's what the disciples did. When they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost. They cried out, verse 50, for they all saw him and were troubled, but immediately he talked with them and said to them, be of good cheer, it is I. Don't be afraid. Amen. They cried out in the midst of the storm. And when he went up into the boat to them, the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure, and they marveled. Amen. For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. I'm going to come back to that. Don't miss this. That that storm was tied to a lesson that God tried to teach them in the previous chapters regarding the miracle of the fish and the loaves. And so I want to just teach you something, preach something to you that I feel the Lord is just stirring my heart, reminding me of here today. And I want to just talk to you on this subject, discerning, discerning the storms of life, discerning the storms of life. Amen. How many would like to discern the storms of life? Anyone here today? Amen. One more time. Can we just lift our hand today? I want to just minister, preach, teach, talk, help, encourage you today. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that you would give discernment today. God, storms come and storms go, but what is your purpose? Where are you? What are you doing? midst of the storm. God, I pray you would speak into lives, speak into seasons and situations, into families, into marriages, into futures. I pray you give us discernment today. We thank you, Lord, and we ask it in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. You can be seated. God bless you. Thank you. The clock is still ticking, folks. The clock is ticking. Amen. Discerning, discerning the storms of life. I want to jump right into my text this morning as we see here at the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias, that we find that this storm takes place in two separate accounts, the same location but two separate chapters of the Gospel of Mark. And it's these two different stories with two different storms on different days and different circumstances 
yet with the same people and in the same place, within just a couple of chapters of each other here in the Bible. And yet these disciples are experiencing these storms, enduring these storms, these various storms of life. And I believe it's with intention and significance that the Bible would place these two stories so close in proximity because I believe that God wants to show us something about the storms. Now we know that in the scripture a storm most often represents a trial, a difficulty, a time of unrest and of volatility. Most often storms bring them a certain deal of trepidation unless you are like me and when the storms start brewing, man, I get on my porch I'm excited about it. I'm out there like every other Midwestern dad. He's just looking out into the sky. Come on, storm. We need some good storms. I like a good thunderstorm. But, but, but when you're in the middle of a boat, in the middle of the waves, and you don't have a navigation system, and you don't have radar, and you don't have all of the modern technologies, a storm was something that brought a little more trepidation. And it's true not only of a natural storm, but storms bring trepidation in a spiritual form as well. You see, we've all experienced spiritual storms in various times and seasons of life. Sickness, a loss of a job, children acting up, marriages just not quite where they need to be, divorce, discouragement. If it's not one thing, it's another thing. It's the next thing and with these seasons, these circumstances that, that come that bring trouble and uncertainty and unrest come the emotional and spiritual storms of life. We've all experienced storms, uncomfortable, unsettling, and uncertain times and seasons of life. And so in life, as it is here in this story from the Sea of Galilee, storms are not uncommon occurrences. In fact, in this particular location in the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias, the Lake Gennesaret, as it's all referred to in the Scripture, it is not uncommon for, for storms to arise in this particular location almost out of nowhere. When we were visiting the Sea of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee just earlier this year, we we were on a boat out on the Sea of Galilee, and there our, our tour guide, David, who was an American living in Israel, he was telling us about times, a specific time where he would be on the Sea of Galilee there and out of nowhere, without any warning it seemed like, within just a matter of moments, a storm would arise on that sea and they would have 10-foot waves arising and just tossing the boat to and fro. It's, it's believed that the reason that this particular body of water is given over to storms the way it is is because this sea is below the sea level and the winds can blow unobstructed across the flat terrain to the north and sweep rapidly into that deep basin where the Sea of Galilee rests, where the sea lies, creating great volatility in the atmosphere. And so because of the terrain of its location, the storms can come and they can go very quickly without any way of predicting their arrival. And so old-time and even modern-time mariners, in order to successfully navigate these waters, would have to learn how to quickly identify and discern a storm. And so it is here in the Sea of Galilee where Jesus did most of his ministry 
where I settle on my message today, that we find these two stories in Mark chapter 4 and then two chapters later in Mark chapter 6 where we find both occurring a storm in the same body of water in Galilee. And at face value, these two storms appear to be very similar. In fact, they appear so similar that if you are not careful, you might confuse them or to conflate them. Or you might assume that they are the same story and that Mark is somehow repeating themselves. How many know preachers repeat themselves sometimes? But as you look a little closer, you'll notice something very subtle, yet some very important differences that I want to reveal to you to to, to look at closely because I believe that in the differences of these two storms, there is a very powerful spiritual truth. Let's start with the similarities as we discern these two storms In the Gospel of Mark, in both stories, the disciples get into a ship to cross over to the other side. In both occasions, they were following the instructions of the Lord to do so. At first, the sea is calm. Everything is okay. It's smooth sailing. And in both occasions, these were fishermen who were well acquainted with the water and the sea. It seemed like the sun was shining. The weather was favorable. And this was just going to be another day for the disciples to cross from one side of the sea to the other. Nothing out of the ordinary. Nothing unusual. But in But inevitably, in both of these situations, the story takes a turn for the worse, and the disciples find themselves in the middle of a storm. In both of these incidents, a storm is difficult. This difficult storm begins to arise, and they find themselves constrained in the boat as the winds begin blowing, and the waves begin crashing, and the ship is being tossed to and fro. I just want to tell you here in life that sometimes out of nowhere you can get a call and you can get some news or you can get some some situation that you weren't expecting that occurs in your life and all of a sudden when it seemed like life was going to be just smooth sailing and you've worked so hard and you've done everything you know to do to get everything to work out the way you want to all of a sudden as if out of nowhere some winds can begin to blow, the clouds Clouds can become dark, and you can find yourself in the middle of a storm. I, I know that I'm preaching to some people today that have found yourself in a storm or two. Heck, I know in a group like this that there's probably some folks right now that, that you weren't expecting it, you were trying to avoid it, but you find yourself constrained in a boat, constrained in a situation, constrained in a relationship, and now all of a sudden the waves are getting rocky. The wind is starting to blow and you find yourself in the middle of a storm. I want to just tell you though, even though you find yourself in the storm, I've got good news for you in the middle of the storm that Jesus still has authority over your storm. It doesn't matter what you're going through and it doesn't matter what you're facing today. Just let me talk to you for a moment. The Lord knows the storm you're going through. The Lord knows the trial you're facing. The Lord knows the trouble you're enduring and he's getting ready to to speak some things into the storms of your life. So we find in Mark chapter 4, the storm is so severe, the waves were so forceful that the seasoned mariners actually fear for their lives. But in Mark 6, the storm and the wind seem so powerful that Matthew's gospel records of the same incident that the ship was actually being tossed to and fro by the waves. And, and so instability and volatility and fear of sinking and drowning in both storms, it is Jesus that ultimately calms the storm, 
calms the wind and calms the waves. In Mark 4, Jesus was on the ship from the beginning. In Mark chapter 6, he sends them on ahead and rendezvous with them at a, at a shortly later time. But in both stories, Jesus demonstrates in either storm that he is in, that he has the power over the storm, that he controls the winds, he commands the rains, he speaks peace to the waves. And in each one of these stories, the disciples come through on the other side and are in utter amazement at the power of Jesus Christ to call the rains, the wind, and the storm. Isn't that just like the Lord in the midst of your trial and in the midst of your trouble that, that, that God just begins to arise in the midst of your chaos and He begins to speak peace into the winds and calms the rains and speaks calmness to the storm. I want to tell you here today, no matter where you are and what you're going through, that the Lord wants to speak into your storm today. Let me tell you, we serve a God that speaks to storms. We serve a God that wants to give you peace in the middle of your storm. It's all throughout the Word of God, this God that we serve, that He has this relationship with storms, that He speaks authority to storms. As Psalms chapter 148, the Bible says, Fire and hail and snow and vapors, stormy winds fulfilling His Word. Nahum chapter 1 verse 3, In the whirlwind and the storm in His way and clouds are the dust beneath His feet. He controls the elements. Proverbs 30 verse 4, He has gathered the wind in His fists. That same chapter in Proverbs says that he has bound the waters in his garment. I just want to reassure you today that wherever you are and whatever storm you're facing, that he still has all power and authority in his hand to calm the storms of life. Just hang with me. And so we find here at first glance, these storms appear to be the same. We can take comfort at first glance. Whatever the storm is, whatever the origin of the storm, the purpose of the storm, he can still speak to the storm. Amen? That's level one of discerning the storms. But I want to go a little deeper this morning. Because though at first glance these storms appear to be the same, they seem to be very similar. Just a couple of stories in the book of Mark about storms. Upon further study, I assure you that these two storms are nothing alike. These are two very different storms with two very different outcomes and two very lesson, different lessons to be learned. Because the identities and the purpose of these storms are different. As we look further, we will find that very subtle differences teach us something very profound about God. I want to point out a seemingly small detail that I think will help us glean some insight in what I think the Scripture would teach us this morning about this first storm. I want you to notice, first and foremost, I want you to notice that Jesus' remarkably different response to each of these two storms. First, take a close look at how each of these storms are uniquely and distinctly ultimately dealt with by the Lord. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus is with them on the boat. That He's asleep on the boat and all of a sudden a storm arises and the disciples are afraid for their lives. And they wake him up and they say, Lord, don't you care? We're, we're getting ready to perish like some of us here. God, don't you see my marriage? Don't you see my finances? Don't you see the situation? Lord, I, I thought you were on the boat. Wake up, God. I need you to move in this situation. And so they're panicking and they're fearful and Jesus responds to their concerns. He arises from his rest and he rebukes the wind and the sea and brings peace to the storm. That's Mark 4. In Mark chapter 6 we find that the wind is still blowing. The waves are still crashing. 
The disciples were still rowing and toiling, exerting all of their effort, but this time Jesus was not inside of their boat. He was not on board this particular vessel. But in Mark 6 and in corroborating in Matthew 14 records that the wind and the sea and the waves were actually tossing the ship. And all of a sudden as the disciples were panicking, Jesus comes walking on the water towards their ship. And when Jesus steps onto the boat, immediately the waves cease and the winds stop. I want you to notice in Mark 6 that Jesus never made an effort to rebuke this storm. Jesus never spoke to the wind. He never quiets the waves. That although they're panicking, it was just as boisterous one moment, tossing the ship to and fro, and then he steps into the vessel, and it is calm the next. He steps into the ship, and immediately there was a great calm. I want you to notice that without speaking to it, rebuking it, or even addressing the storm, all of a sudden the storm ceases. Now, I don't know about you, But as I look at this and I read this, this begins to make me ask the question, why would Jesus rebuke one storm and when he does it calms? And yet the other storm he never addresses and it ceases the moment he steps into the ship. I believe these two storms are very different. Their origins are different. The storm in Mark chapter 4, hang with me, Jesus rebukes. He stands and he addresses that storm. The Bible said he actually rebukes that storm. That word rebuke is a very interesting word. It means an expression of sharp disapproval or criticism. In fact, the original language of that word rebuke is the exact same Greek word that that Mark used to record Jesus rebuking a demonic spirit. And so in Luke chapter 4, in Nazareth, that day Jesus had come to the synagogue as he was beginning his earthly ministry, he quotes the prophet Isaiah when he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He's sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them or to bruise, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And in the synagogue, as Jesus was preaching, as he's declaring himself to be the Messiah, there was a man in that audience with an unclean clean spirit, a devil, the Bible says, and he begins to cry out in the midst of Jesus' sermon saying, leave us alone, Jesus. We don't want to have anything to do with you, thou son of man, thou, thou Jesus of Nazareth. And as this man rose up with this evil and this unclean spirit, trying to resist the will of God, resist the word of God, resist the mission of God, the Bible says Jesus rebukes the spirit in that man. He says, hold your peace. And come out of him. Jesus discerned the nature of that spirit that was at work inside of that man. And he was trying to challenge the purpose of God. Challenge the will of God. And Jesus rises up and confronts that unclean spirit by rebuking it. And by rebuking that foul spirit, the Bible says the spirit comes out of him and hurt him not. In the same word, Jesus rebukes it. But that's not all Jesus rebuked. He didn't just rebuke an unclean spirit, but just a couple chapters later, the Bible says Jesus rebukes the storm saying, peace, be still. He speaks to the sea with authority. He speaks to the demon with authority. He speaks to the unclean spirit. And what I want to tell you is that the underlying reason that Jesus rebuked an unclean spirit and rebuked a storm is because in both instances, they were trying to come against the purpose, the plan, and the will of God in the life of his disciples. 
And what I want to tell you here today is that there are some storms that are going to arise in your life that that are going to be contrary to the purpose of God and contrary to the will of God and contrary to God's plan and hand upon your life. And it's in those storms that God didn't call those storms. God didn't create those storms. Those storms come from another origin. Those storms come from, come from another uh, place. And it's in those storms of life that Jesus is going to rise up like he did to that unclean spirit and speak a word of rebuke. I want to tell you here today that when you serve God and you're living for God, that there is an enemy that would oppose the purpose and the plans that God would have for you. Life at times will oppose you. Situations will oppose you. Difficulties will oppose you. But in those seasons and situations of challenge that come against the purpose and the plan of God for your life, I want to tell you that he still has the authority to calm the storms, that though they may oppose you, that he can still speak peace to the storms in your life. What I'm trying to tell you here today is that when those storms arise and when those difficulties arise that would prevent you and hinder you from accomplishing the purpose and the plan of God, that you just simply need to awake Jesus from his sleep and his slumber and draw his attention to the storms and the circumstances in your life. And when you do, I want to tell you the Lord has a word of rebuke that God's going to get you where he needs to get you. God's going to accomplish in you what he needs to accomplish in you. What I'm trying to tell you today is that if you want to live for God, you can live for God. If you want to serve God, you can serve God. If you need to get to God's purpose and plan, that there is nothing in this life that can hinder you from accomplishing the will of God. I want to tell you, even when life comes against you, God can still speak peace into the storms of your life. You see, what you don't realize about this is the context of this particular storm is that the disciples, Jesus had just begun preaching and teaching to his disciples on the mountain and he was teaching them about the will of God and he was teaching them about the parable of the bushel, of of the candle under the bushel and he was talking to them about the parable of the sower and he was instilling in them a desire to plant the word of God, to sow God's word, to preach and to teach And, and he tells them that you are a light, that you are not to be hidden and you are to to go out and you are to minister my word. You are to evangelize this world. And then after investing them in them and speaking to them, he begins to send them out to accomplish the very thing that he had just spoken to them. And so as they're on their way to the other side, to, to the lake, across the lake of Gennesaret, to a man that was possessed with a demon, a man that needed the Lord, a man that needed to be saved, a man that needed to hear God's word. As they're on their way to minister to this great need at this man that was troubled, this demoniac, at Gadarenes, all of a sudden the storm arises to prevent them and hinder them from doing the very thing that God sent them to do. And it was in that context and in that circumstance that Jesus rebukes the storms of life. I want to tell you, Some of you, God's hand is on your life. God's purpose is on your life. God is trying to get you to a place. God has a ministry for you. God has a mission for you. God has a purpose for you. He didn't bring you all this way just to let you die in the storm. He didn't bring you all this way just to get you mixed up and tossed and overthrown in the storm. God is going to get you to the other side. God is going to get you to his purpose and his plan. But you've got to wake the Lord up in your situation. You've got to let God arise in your life. You got to let the Lord arise in your marriage. You got to let the Lord have his way. And when he does, he will speak to the storm of your life. So Jesus speaks, discerns the storm. 
He he understood and recognized that this thing was trying to oppose his plan and his purpose. It was Isaiah that said, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. The flame, it shall not consume you. It was Psalm 93 that says, The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted their voices. The floods lift up their waves. But the voice of the Lord is mightier than the noise of the many waters, than the many waves of the sea. I want to tell you, there's a lot of noise out there that would hinder you and discourage you and distract you from getting to where God wants you to be. A lot of voices that would oppose and be contrary and criticize and try to divert you and distract you. But what I want to tell you is that the voice of the Lord is mightier than all of the voices around you. Come on, if you'll just let God's voice arise. If you'll just let God's word arise. Come on, his word is mightier. And so Jesus discerned the purpose of this storm. This storm was trying to hinder my people. This storm was trying to distract and to divert my, pur- my purpose and my plan. But now we find another storm. In Mark chapter 6, just hang with me. This timer is still going, all right? All right, I know how much time I have. You just hang tight. The Lord's going to do a quick work here. In Mark chapter 6, the Bible sees, tells us of a very similar storm than the one we just read about. But in fact, these two storms are very different. They have different intentions, different origins, different identities. In Mark 6, we find that this storm, we find the wind, we find the rain, we find that Jesus arises, but he responds very differently. He never rebukes the storm. He never speaks to these waves because this storm, I believe, had a purpose behind it. It was not a storm of coincidence. It was not a storm of mere meteorological occurrence. It was not a storm conjured up even by the enemy or by our own bad behavior. But this was a storm that God had a purpose for and that God actually allowed. Why, you may ask, would God, why would God allow a storm? I believe the answer is found in verse 52 of this chapter that God relates a previous experience of these disciples with the current occurrence of the storm. For the Bible says, For they considered not the miracles of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. In Mark chapter 6, 52, after it tells the story of this second storm, it ties it to an occurrence where the disciples failed to learn a spiritual principle and a lesson from a previous experience that they had seen God do the miraculous in their life. You see, the miracle of the fish and the loaves that Jesus tied to this storm was a miracle that Jesus did to teach his disciples something about trusting in the will of God. Jesus had a little bit of fish and a little bit of loaves, but he had a great multitude that he wanted to feed, and he was trying to show his disciples to trust him despite whatever they're going through. And yet, nevertheless, seeing the miracle of Jesus taking a few loaves and a few fish and doing the miraculous despite their inefficiencies, their, in, their, in, uh, their, their, their inabilities, and, and their lack of resources, Jesus showed them that when they don't have what it takes, that he can do the miraculous. But the disciples missed something. They didn't recognize the lesson in their experience, blessing, their abundance, in this miraculous demonstration of the miracle of the fish and the loaves. And the Bible says that their heart was actually hardened. But now they find themselves just a couple chapters later in a storm. And they're toiling and they're rowing 
They're trying to get to the other side on their own. Jesus isn't in the boat this time. I want you to notice something here, that they are toiling and they are rowing and they're doing it under their own power and their own effort and their own ability. When just a few verses earlier they had witnessed the miraculous feat of Jesus feeding a multitude with just a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish, showing them that with God nothing is impossible. <laughs> and that they, if they would just surrender the little bit that they had in that miracle of the fish and the loaves, that in the hands of God little is much. Now, because they missed that lesson, that principle, that miracle, now they find themselves thinking that they can get to the other side on their own. And I believe possibly, it could be, maybe, potentially, that God allowed a storm to form, to show them, to remind them, to reteach them this lesson that without God, they can't get to the other side. Without God, they can't accomplish His purpose. Without God, that, that nothing is possible. But with God, all things are possible. And as they are rowing, and as they are toiling, and as they are laboring, and as they are giving it their best effort, thinking that the storm is getting ready to sink their vessel, the Bible says Jesus just begins walking by them in the middle of the storm. And here as he's walking by, don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this, the Bible says he would have passed them by. I feel a witness of the Lord to tell somebody here today that sometimes the storms of life are just simply the enemy or life, the circumstances that are just trying to challenge you. But when you get Jesus awake in the middle of your storm, he's going to speak peace. But other storms come as a result of thinking that you can do it on your own, that you don't need God in your boat, that you can toil and, and labor and accomplish it, with it without him. But he's just saying, I could pass on by. But if you will cry out in the middle of your storm, if you will come to me in prayer, if you will come to me in seeking, if you will come to me and earnestly desire that I be in your boat. The Bible says that as soon as he stepped into their boat, that the storms of life began to subside. I want to tell somebody today here in the Lord that the difference between these two storms is the difference in between discerning the storms of life. Are you going through a trial? Why don't you Call upon the name of the Lord. Are you going through a storm? Why don't you cry out to the Lord? Are you going through a difficulty? Why don't you get Jesus to wake up in the middle of your situation? Do you think you're going to get there on your own? Why don't you invite Jesus into your boat here today? I want to tell you that when Jesus is in the storm, that you're going to make it through the storms of life. Psalms 107, 28. It says, when they cried to the Lord in their trouble." He delivered them from their distress. And he made the storm to be still. They cry out to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivers them in their distress. And he made the storm to be still. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet. And he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. I want to tell you, just like sometimes the life, like what Job experienced, God will allow certain storms, certain trials 
to begin to pass over your life. But in the midst of those storms, in those trials, there is a certainty and a calmness and an assurance to know that if God is with you in the middle of your storm, that God is serving a greater purpose and a plan and that you're going to make it through the storm to the other side. I just want to preach and tell you today, stand with me all over this place, but I want to encourage you that you may be going through a trial and a difficulty, but if you can just get Jesus in your boat and awaken Jesus to your situation, that he can calm the storms of life all over this place. Can we just lift a hand towards heaven? I don't know what you're going through and I don't know what situations you may be facing today. But I believe that God wants us to discern the storms of our life. Do you think you can get through life on your own? Do you find yourself laboring and toiling and rowing, doing everything you can to get to the other side? I want to ask you, sir, is Jesus on your boat today? I want to ask you, ma'am, is the Lord, is Jesus still the Lord of your vessel today? Because sometimes those storms and those trials are simply a result of thinking that we can get through it on our own. But if Jesus is passing by this morning, if we would just cry out and welcome him into our vessel as he begins to take a step onto our ship, I want to tell you that those storms of life can begin to subside. You know, the Bible says to be anxious for nothing, but in all things, through prayer, thanksgiving, supplication, to make your requests known unto God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. That's all I'm preaching here today. Come on, he wants to calm the storms all over this house. Come on, all over this place. Come on, I know you're hearing a lot of different voices. I know you're getting a lot of different criticisms. I know there's a lot of people that are trying to get you distracted and diverted and and distorted. But I want to tell you, the voice of the Lord is mightier than the voices of the storm. All over this place, if you're here today and you just need to get the Lord to awaken in the midst of your storm, I want to just invite you from where you are begin to make your way into this altar here today. Come on, all we're doing is we're beginning to draw near to the Lord in this altar. And we're saying, God,